Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Ashley LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Good weekend. Welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. Thanks for uh, checking out this week's episode. It's a special one as it's uh, World Junior Preview time. For those who have signed up to become a patron, well, extra special thank you and welcome back. Uh, If you're a returning listener and if you're a newcomer, then hey, welcome aboard The Pipeline Show. It's going to be somewhat of a shorter show this week. Uh, Just the two guests, but they're longer interviews as we uh, go through Uh, Pool A and Pool B of the World Junior Championship. I'll tell you who is going to be our guide to those uh, missions. Normally what we would do is go through the CHL and the NCAA and the USHL and uh, CJHL. We're not going to do that this week because it's a special show. And also because time is of the essence here. As I'm speaking with you, it's Christmas Eve. I got wrapping to do. I got last minute shopping to do. I got family to visit. And I'm sure a lot of you are in a similar situation. Hey, before I get any further, it's probably too late now, but you could have got some Wilhock beef jerky as a nice stocking stuffer. Three locations in the Edmonton area, one in Spruce Grove, one in Leduc, and the newest one in West Edmonton Mall. Pipeline shows proud to have Wilhock beef jerky as our title sponsor. And I know that if you haven't tried it yet, and you do, you'll agree with me, it is the best beef jerky that you've ever had. As I mentioned, the World Junior Championship in Halifax and Moncton gets underway on Boxing Day. The schedule on December 26th starts off with the Finns against the Swiss at uh, 9 o'clock here in Edmonton. That'd be noon out there. Then uh, Sweden will take on Austria. The United States is going to square off against Latvia as their tournament opening game. And the uh, late game will feature Canada against Czechia. Is it Czechia or Czechia? Not sure the former Czech Republic. I'm excited that the tournament is uh, back on the East Coast and out of Edmonton, which sounds weird because I'm here in Edmonton, but I've mentioned on previous shows, I think there's a a certain level of fatigue in this market for this tournament because it's tried to have been here three tournaments in a row, three years in a row, uh, with all the COVID uh, situation the last couple of years, finally getting to play this past summer, but it was the summer and it was very not well attended until the very end. I think it's good to get it back out on uh, the road. And I saw somebody tweeting out that it's nice to see it in a junior hockey market. 
like Halifax, like Moncton, and I agree. I, If it was possible, I would like to see it in junior hockey markets as opposed to always just in NHL cities and NHL buildings. But that's not always possible, and I understand why. But it's nice. I think Halifax and Moncton are going to do great jobs as hosts this year. All my guests joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline, and I just got my uh, new supply of uh, Troubled Monk. Looking forward to tapping into that over the uh, holiday break here. Make sure you visit troubledmonk.com slash shop. All the instructions there on how you can place an order online and pick up in three different uh, cities here in Alberta. But if you're in Alberta, you can go to any Alberta liquor store and they should have Troubled Monk in stock. And if they don't, you can ask for it because it is available to them. As I mentioned, there's two guests this week. We're going to go look at Pool A and Pool B. And I actually recorded these in opposite order of what we're going to play them. uh, Because I recorded Pool B with Chris Peters from Flow Hockey one day before recording Pool A with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. But it's, it's, it seems weird to start with Pool B and then go to Pool A. So we're going to, I'm trying to remember if I actually said it at the start of the conversation, but you'll figure it out. We're going to start with Pool A, and that will be Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. He's going to go through that, uh, that side of the bracket. Pool A features Czechia, Germany, Sweden, Canada, and Austria. And uh, Pool B will be Chris Peters from Flow Hockey. Looking at Slovakia, Switzerland, Finland, Latvia, and the United States. We'll get their thoughts on which teams and which players from each team are those to watch for. And, uh, of course, predictions as well. So I know you want to get right to it. So do I. So let's begin with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. He's looking at Pool A. It's a World Junior Preview here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back to Sider, across to Bach. Dominic Bach, great pass in for Stutzler. Slides it back across, they score! Hello, this is Tim Stutzler from Mannheim, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. He fights like an old lady. All right, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Get the best beef jerky you've ever had anywhere in Western Canada. Just order it from their website. All right, uh, we did the B pool already. Time to look at the A pool. And uh, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic is going to help me do that. Scott, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm uh, excited. This time of year, it's always exciting because the World Junior Championship right around the corner. And uh, for any uh, draft junkie or uh, prospect fan, it's, uh, it's well, it is literally like Christmas morning, isn't it? Yeah, this is, uh, I joke with people, but if the, uh, if the, the sort of draft at the end of the year is my Stanley Cup, then this is, this is my Olympics, right? This is really the second biggest thing of the year on my uh, work schedule. And I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people. I think a lot of people cherish this event as much as any 
of the international events that are played. It's really, uh, it, it almost has this, this knack for never disappointing. Even this summer's tournament, just when you thought it was going to be a bit of a failure mm. and a bit of a dud, there you are with the gold medal save from Mason McTavish and the play at the other end by Kent Johnson. And suddenly you've got a classic uh, sort of gold medal game for the ages between Canada and Finland at the end of a, an otherwise uneventful sort of disappointing tournament. So uh, yeah, I, I expect the same. I expect sold out rinks in Halifax and it's going to be a, a ton of fun. Halifax and Moncton hosting this year, and just to get out of Edmonton after three years, basically, or three attempts uh, to have it here, uh, that's got to be a nice positive change, kind of reinvigorating almost. Yeah, and the summer event in Edmonton was reinvigorating for me, too. I've got to be honest, those were some of my coldest days the previous two World Juniors. The first time around in Edmonton in the bubble, uh, it was really just me and Mark Masters amongst the, the contingent of media there. It was uh, pretty lean and an empty building, obviously. And then the second time around, I arrive and I cover a couple of games and then suddenly I'm racing down the elevator in my hotel to try to cancel the rest of my stay and book a new flight home because the tournament was over. So, uh, And it was bitterly cold both times, it, it, close to minus 40 outside. And then you had that fun summer tournament. And now you've got Halifax and it's going to be cold there too. Don't get me wrong with the wind off the ocean, but uh, I, Eastern Canada, I know, is excited for it and Halifax is a great great town all right well let's get right to it uh we're, we're gonna go through the five teams alphabetically we'll start with Austria and I'm not sure how long it's gonna take us to go through this club uh, <laughs> what stands out from from the Austrians this year if anything well two things stand out I think a they had a very young team in the summer tournament well uh, most other teams were older older than they've ever been because 20 year olds were allowed to return to the tournament uh, the, the Austrians brought a really, really young group, and that's typical of them bringing a lot of sort of 17 and 18-year-olds, even the odd 16-year-old. Uh, now that that group is a little bit older, uh, more of a veteran group, um, certainly they've also uh, added a couple of, of key players, the big one likely being Vincennes Rower of the Ottawa 67s, uh, Montreal Canadiens draft pick, and Vincennes is a, a very slick sort of creative player, uh, got some some really nice skill to his game, good skater. Uh, so there's a lot to like about him. The disappointing, uh, maybe the biggest storyline for the Austrians, and I'm sure they're disappointed about it, uh, is is not getting Marco Casper back. Uh, Marco's obviously a top 10 pick of, of the Detroit Red Wings, but has established himself as a very good player in the SHL, which is arguably the third best pro league in the world these days. And uh, he he deserves a lot of credit for how quickly he's developed. And this tournament does feel like it's sort of uh, in the rear view mirror for him at this point. And he's got his sights set on uh, plateauing a move from, from, uh, from the FHL into the NHL here. I noticed there's a couple of uh, 2005 birth dates on the, um, the Austrian roster, including uh, one of their three goaltenders, uh, as well as Ian Scherzer, a forward. Uh, any sort of draft significance with these two? Well, Scherzer is a, a potential late round pick. Uh, scouts were impressed by him at the summer tournament. Uh, he's uh, like most Austrians is playing abroad, not playing domestically. So uh, uh, feather in his cap in terms of just uh, getting to play at a top junior level in the, in, in Sweden and uh, try to climb the, climb the ranks that way. But he's, uh, he's, he's, he's an interesting kid. He's a, I don't know, probably a, a late round pick if that, or maybe a camp invite, or maybe someone who you keep an eye on as a potential overager. He's not exactly lighting it up in Sweden, but he's a good player there and a good player at this level against his peers. And uh, like I said, uh, everybody was sort of impressed by him. Very well-spoken kid too. 
really enjoyed my chats with him uh, in Edmonton. So uh, I'm sure he'll be a he'll be a quote for for the TSN folks. That's for sure. All right. Well, if anything, should we expect uh, Austria probably uh, battling for to to stay in the uh, in the top division here and probably playing in the relegation game against Latvia or Switzerland? Yeah, relegation is back here, and uh, it's been a couple of years where they've been lucky to to hang in like they have because there was no relegation in the last two tournaments. So now that it's returned for this event, uh, they're they're more than likely one of the one of the teams that's playing for it. Uh, the Germans uh, actually sort of upset the the Slovaks five to nothing in the first game of the pre-tournament here, which was a pleasant surprise for that German team. So it really does look like it's going to be. Uh, going to be Austria and, and then that Swiss team I think is in jeopardy they've obviously been in the top group for mm-hmm. a long long time now and this is a this is a Swiss age group that is really really quite weak uh, so I could see I could see that Austria if, if the, the game is Austria and Switzerland I could see that being a good good little relegation series and uh, a player like Vincenz Rower who I mentioned off the top may be the best player in a game like that so um, we're really looking forward to seeing whether the Austrians can uh, can hang in. That would be a successful tournament for them. Next country alphabetically in the A pool would be Canada, and uh, we haven't seen a back-to-back gold medal champion since, oh, it's been a, quite a long time since what, back uh, to when Canada won five in a row in 2008-2009 uh, would be the last time we saw a back-to-back champ. Uh, it, it looks, at least on paper, like we could be talking about that uh, this year. Uh, what do you like about the Canadians? Oh, I like uh, I like the firepower they've got up front. I like their right side of their defense in particular. I, I think you can expect that Owen Zellweger and Brant Clark are going to be contributing, especially those two middle games of the group. They start with Chechia and finish with Sweden, but they're going to put up some numbers uh, in between. <laughs> so I, I think you'll see that back end very active with those guys in particular. Kevin Korczynski on the left side of the third pairing was excellent in their first pre-tournament game yesterday. Um, maybe the standout defenseman for Team Canada. He's an 18-year-old on a predominantly 19-year-old blue line, so that's a feather in his cap. A fabulous, fabulous season with the Seattle Thunderbirds as they try to go back and, and make another deep run in the playoffs like they did a year ago. And uh, Those three guys are going to make a lot happen on the blue line for Canada, and then they've got some really, really big guys to complement them and players like Ethan Del Mastro and Nolan Allen. So uh, a, a big, strong blue line outside of Owen Zellweger. And then up front, a little bit of the same. They've got a ton of skill in the top six with Connor Bedard and Logan Stankoven and Adam Santilli and Dylan Genther and Shane Wright. Those guys are going to be the drivers offensively. Those guys are going to be your PP1 and PP2 guys. And then you hope that the bottom six, with they, which they've tried to build around strength and size and physicality and speed and tempo to get after it on the forecheck. You hope that those guys can, can chip in. And certainly in their pre-tournament opener last night, that third line of Zach Dean, Nathan Gaucher and Joshua Waugh was Canada, arguably Canada's best line in the game. So uh, they really like the makeup of their bottom six. They've brought uh, a, a lot of sort of six foot two, six foot three forwards who can really skate. Uh, they aren't, they aren't slow players by any means. Nathan Gaucher, Reed Schaefer, Zach Ostapchuk are all, above average skaters. So uh, they're going to get after it in the bottom six and hopefully fill the net with the top six. And that's kind of the game plan. And as has often been the case at this tournament, goaltending is the real question mark. I think mm-hmm. if Canada's going to lose in a semifinal or God forbid, a, a quarterfinal or potentially a medal game, I think it's likely going to be because they give up five or six goals because teams get after their, 
their big defensemen and force them to make difficult plays inside their own zone. And then because the goaltending uh, lets in a, a soft goal or two. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Thomas Milich and Ben Godreau are proven with Canada. They were the exact same tandem that they brought to Texas when Canada won gold at U18 Worlds. They're now back together. Milich pitched a shutout in, in Canada's opener in the pre-tournament action against Switzerland last night. Godreau was expected to get the next game, and, and you kind of take it from there. But neither of them are, are Devin Levi or Carter Hart. There isn't a, a sort of clear number one for Canada or a clear sort of goaltender of the tournament uh, level goaltender for Canada this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which one of those two kids grabs the net and whether they can uh, whether they can get the job done come come semis or potentially a gold medal game. Well, that's a great complete look at Canada. You answered all the questions that I had in, in that one answer. Uh, I'm going to uh, go back to one thing about the uh, speed for, for Team Canada. When we were going through the U.S. roster yesterday, they're quite small, but it's, uh, it's obvious that they're building a, a, a as fast and mobile a, a team as they can. Mm. That would be the hope for the, the American perspective is that their speed will be what uh, will give Canada difficulty. But you talked about the Canada's speed here as well, that they're, they're, they've got a lot of size, but they're not slow players. Um, do you see... If somebody like the United States comes up against Canada, is is that something that they might be able to exploit? Or do you think Canada's got that covered? Well, I think on defense, certainly. The, the, when they struggled against U-Sports in their two games against U-Sports, they won both the games pretty handily. But there were moments in both of those games where they struggled to get out of their own zone. And I think the big challenge that they'll face is, can the, the Ethan Del Mastros, the Nolan Allen, the Jack Matiers, can those those three guys in particular, which is half of their top six, can they handle the pressure if a team like the U.S. really gets after them on the four check? They're all really, really big guys. They move fine. I wouldn't say any of those three guys are standout skaters. They're not great skaters, but they, they, they're okay uh, in terms of their mobility. But uh, they, there were moments in those games against U-Sports where Nolan Allen was skating over pucks or chipping pucks off the glass or rushing into a pass when the, the bigger, stronger players on U-Sports really got after them and uh, that that's going to be, if anything, where I think Canada could get exploited. It's not going to be going north. It, it could be sort of coming south. If, if their forwards don't do a good enough job supporting play high in the offensive zone and then suddenly teams are able to get out and transition or get after the Canadian D on the floor check, I think that's, if anything, is where Canada might run into trouble. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic is my guest. We're going through the A-pool at the World Junior Championship, uh, Moncton and Halifax. It starts on Boxing Day. All right, next up is the uh, Czech Republic, or Czechia. Uh, now, they have not medaled since uh, 2005. It was a bronze back then. Uh, so it's been a long time coming for this club or this country to get back on the podium. Is this a year that they could do it? This is a pretty interesting-looking uh, roster. Yeah, they're a good team. And, and I think people forget that the, the Americans, after looking like this unstoppable force in group play in the summer, were upset by the Czechs in the quarterfinals, and the Czechs were, were playing for a medal. They played for bronze in the summer tournament. And the interesting layer of this Czech team is that they have the most returnees of all, of all 10 teams that are participating. They were eligible to bring back 19 players, which is really incredible when you think about it, given that typically teams only bring back seven or eight players in this tournament. Uh, so to have that many players on your roster, to have that many 18-year-olds that you were eligible to bring back as 19-year-olds, that's a feather in their cap, and it's going to it's going to likely make them a better team than they were in the summer, and they were a good team in the summer, a competitive team in the summer. The one feather in that is that, uh, or ripple in that, if you will, is that uh, 
they, uh, the two of those 19 players that they were eligible to bring back are not returning. And it's arguably their two best players in captain Jan Nishak, who has aged out. He's now 20 and in David Yerchek, who the Columbus Blue Jackets slash Cleveland Monsters have elected to hang on to. So uh, that's your number one center and your number one defenseman who aren't aren't going to be participating in the tournament. Uh, but still, absolutely an interesting an interesting roster uh, right down the the, the roster really. Um, and and whether that's Matthias guys like Matthias Sapovalov uh, inside that top six who who climbed up to the first line after starting in a third line role in the summer tournament or uh, guys like Thomas Hamara uh, on the blue line, uh, who's playing in the LHL with the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, they've got a, a good a good roster. No, no real star power without Yurchek in particular, but they've got 10 or 12 legit sort of B-grade NHL prospects, and that's always going to make a team a, a threat or a danger, if you will, to to pull off an upset. Uh, so I, I'm really very much looking forward to watching that roster. And then they've also got... As always, they've always got one or two really good draft eligibles, and uh, Edward Chalet uh, certainly um, it qualifies as that in this draft, potential top ten, top fifteen pick in twenty twenty three. So uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, and another one in Adam Mahura as well, not drafted yet. Uh, that I know he's uh, having a, a decent season in the WHL, and uh, Thomas Suhanek, the goaltender, not drafted yet. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting because. It, Conversation I had yesterday about the the B pool. Uh, one comment that was brought up was that there's there's no necessarily bona fide, clearly the best goaltender in the tournament uh, this year. Mm. Unlike in in the, most seasons where we see like a real stud goaltender somewhere along the line, it, is the, it could the best goaltender of the tournament come out of the uh, Czech team? Yeah, I think it's possible. Suhanik's obviously a return, another one of those those returnees, he played really well in all of the games, but one in the summertime, that one game kind of undid him. It, there was a brief time in the summer where they were sitting in the press box with a few of us talking about him as a potential uh, sort of contender for goaltender of the tournament for the media all-star ballot. So uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there really isn't a, a true sort of star goalie. There's no Jesper Wallstedt. There's no Spencer Knight, Yaroslav Askarov, Devin Levi, uh, some of the really sort of high-end goalies that have come through this tournament in recent years. And uh, as a result, it's going to be interesting to see which goaltender emerges as as the goaltender for that media all-star team or for the top goaltender directorate award that's also uh, sort of decided on by the IAHF. So uh, it's I think you're bang on there. Certainly the Americans don't, don't have that guy. Kingdom Burko was great for them in the summer, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Augustine, the draft eligible, actually sort of snuck in and grabbed that job. Trey's an excellent, excellent goaltender and probably a second-round pick in this upcoming draft. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's uh, there's no uh, there's no true sort of future NHL starter in this group, I don't think. Uh, Scott, the Germans have three drafted players on their roster, but again, this is a team that uh, we're, uh, I think, avoiding relegation, that the the, uh, the relegation game would be a victory for them. Uh, do you see them finishing any other, any higher than fourth in the pool? No, not likely. And then it's probably going to be a, a very, very difficult uh, quarterfinal game for them. They'll likely get Finland or the USA in the crossover. And mm-hmm. I just don't see them upsetting any of the, the sort of big three, if you will, in the group of, of Czechia and Sweden and Canada. Um, they obviously, they surprised some people with, with beating Slovakia. This, this is an extremely compelling, at least from a draft eligible and drafted prospects perspective, a very, very compelling uh, again, um, Slovakian team for really the second year in a row. And 
back-to-back excellent draft eligible age groups. Everybody talked about last year's age group with Nemec and Messar and Slavkovsky, but this is another great one with Siernik and Hanzik and uh, right right through till Dalibor Dvorsky was a potential top 10 pick. There, there could be three, four Czech uh, players taken in the first two rounds in this year's draft again. So, um, yeah, it, uh, really, I, I think the big game of, of the group play will be Germany and Austria. The Germans will be the favorite uh, in that game, but that game will likely decide who, who moves on to the quarterfinal and who plays for relegation. And uh, you mentioned off the top a, a couple of uh, their, their draft eligibles. Obviously, Julian Lutz is uh, a, a sort of top three-round pick of the Arizona Coyotes, and he was injured with dealing with both a hip and a back issue all of last year. And uh, now he's sort of back playing and hoping to use this this tournament as another platform for him to establish himself as a good prospect. He struggled in the DEL to get minutes this year and uh, to sort of climb the ranks like someone like J.J. Paterka was able to do and Christian Reichel, uh, or Lucas Reichel, I should say, was able to do. Uh, so he, he's he's got a ways to go here, but uh, he's, he's sort of the name, if you will, from that group. Uh, I should ask you about Luca Hauf. He's a forward that plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings. He was at the summer tournament, but he was the youngest player on Germany's team and, and barely played uh, in the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 15 points in in 29 games with the Oil Kings this year, and that team has really struggled. But uh, there's been times when he's looked pretty good. Is he on the ra- the the radar for the the draft at all? I think he was actually eligible last year, but didn't get taken. Yeah, so he was in the honorable mentions, the top uh, of my top 100 for last year's draft. And I actually do a piece uh, after I release my top 100 where I talk about sort of 10 interesting players that missed the cut. And he was one of those guys. So kind of a guy that I would have considered as a seventh round pick uh, or, or sort of camp invite in, in last year's draft. Now he's back as an overager. Doesn't look like a player who's going to get drafted uh, on re-entry, but Again, uh, he's a kid who's sort of a stocky, very sturdy, five foot, sort of ten, five foot eleven player. Not a big, tall kid, but he a, a really good worker. Works hard, gets after it. I was really quite impressed when I went over to Germany for U18s last April by his play in particular. I thought he was excellent for that team. Uh, and now you hope that he can sort of be for for this team what he was for that team. Now that he's a little bit older, so I expect him to be a, an important part of that top nine and on one of the two power play units. And uh, I think he'll, he'll make a, a play or two over the course of this tournament that uh, helps sort of put a goal in the back of the net. I think he's that kind of a player at this level. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching Luca. He, he works hard uh, and sort of a hard skill game. I'm not sure whether it'll ever be enough to, to make it as far as the NHL per se, but mm-hmm. uh, not, not impossible to imagine him having a nice career as a professional over in Europe or in the lower levels of pro in North America here. All right, lastly, it's Sweden, and for a uh, hockey superpower like Sweden, uh, having only one gold medal at the World Junior Championships since 1981 is uh, probably not uh, not very satisfying for them. 2012 was the last time they finished uh, in first place at this tournament. Uh, they've got a bunch of medals since then, but only that one gold medal. Uh, is this a year where they can contend? Because, uh, again, on paper... It looks like it's Canada's tournament to lose, but the Swedes are actually, they, they, they got a pretty impressive roster. Yeah, I think with with no Russia participating, anything short of a medal with this Swedish group would be considered a huge disappointment for them. They've now moved on from Thomas Monten, their longtime U20 head coach. Uh, so a new coaching staff and hopefully a bit of a reset. Monten was uh, 
sort of infamous for always ending up in the bronze medal game, whether it was finishing third or fourth. And uh, Sweden is on paper a team that deserved much better results than than their medals over the last decade uh, would suggest. So uh, a little bit of a chronic underachiever storyline with them that I think is uh, is is worthwhile. I don't think that's some narrative that has been spun. I think uh, they would say as a federation, and they'd be upfront as a federation, that their results haven't been good enough. And this this year's roster should be the if if Canada is the favorite, I think the Swedes should be right there with with the Americans for the the sort of silver bronze favorites uh, in this event. And that's saying a lot, especially after they again underachieved in their last big game, which was uh, about a month ago. They played a friendly against the Finns and lost six to one. And uh, it was again just a, a disappointing effort from a team that should be better than that. The Finns are a very competitive team as always. Uh, but I think on paper, the, the Swedes are clearly more talented than the Finnish roster that's coming to this year's World Juniors. So you hope that up front you can get uh, more out of uh, sort of re- the, the younger returnees from the last event, right? They, they've got that Deer Garden trio of, of Noah Austin, Liam Ogren, and Jonathan Lekharamaki. Lekharamaki was the youngest player on Sweden's roster in the summer tournament and didn't play a ton. You're hoping that those guys who've been the leader of this age group for a long, long time step up big, fill the net, uh, find the chemistry that they had at the J20 level. It's been a bit of a difficult year for Lekker and Mackie of those three of them uh, in Hockey Alsvenskan, where they're playing professionally in the second tier over in Sweden. Uh, but those guys will be counted upon. And then down the middle is where the real strength of this Swedish roster is. They've got, obviously, Auslund, who I expect to center that line with Ogren and, uh, and Lekker and Mackie. And then even behind him, Philip Bystedt, a first-round pick, uh, of, of the San Jose Sharks, who's a center and a big, big center with a ton of skill. And then potentially behind him as well, Leo Carlson, a, a top, likely top five pick in this upcoming draft who also plays center. So uh, between Ostland, uh, Bystead and, and Carlson, that's as, as good a one, two, three down the middle as there is in this tournament, Canada included. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to watching that trio. And then they've got, they've got solid goaltending as well. And that's a, that's a question mark for a lot of the, the teams in this tournament, but really isn't, for this Swedish group, they've got two, uh, whether it's Bronman or, or whoever they decide to go with, they've got a couple of, of very good goaltenders. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And then the question for them is on, is for the Sweden is really on the blue line without, without Simon Edvinson, who, who was eligible to play in this tournament, but has not been lent by the Detroit Red Wings and Grand Rapids Griffins, uh, Griffins, uh, without Simon Edvinson, who's going to emerge as, as the number one guy on that blue line, who's going to play, 24 or 25 minutes a night and there really isn't a clear guy they've got seven uh sort of solid defensemen that they're bringing to this tournament but they don't have they don't have the stars that they've had in recent years whether it was Edvinson in the last couple or Rasmus Sandin before him there isn't a, a sort of go-to guy there's no Victor Soderstrom there's none of that so mm-hmm. uh, the the defense for for Sweden is where they might be a little bit more susceptible all right, so if I said it was going to be Canada, Sweden, Czechia, then Germany, and Austria, would you argue? No, I think that's the way I've got it penciled up here. Uh, I, I I think that, that Czechia and, and uh, Sweden game could be a good one, yeah. especially if the Swedes sort of don't find their form and, and find some chemistry. Uh, but I think the Swedes will, will ultimately emerge. I mean, I didn't even mention Fabian Liesel and Isaac Rosen and some of their other returnees. They've got a lot of talent up front. Uh, and I think they're going to score a lot of goals in this tournament. And because they've got good goaltending, I think that's it makes the defense a little bit less of a concern. So uh, I, I'd still take the Swedes over the Czechs in that game in, in group play. And then 
uh, they'll get uh, that. That will be big for who gets a more favorable matchup in, in the crossover, right? Because if you finish third, you're you're likely getting Finland or the U.S. in the crossover. All right, and I guess lastly, do you expect a Canada U.S. final? I, I think that's what a lot of people are looking to. Yeah, I do. I I do have a little bit. Uh, I am a little worried about the the forward group for for Team USA. Uh, they've got a, a lot of talent on that first line. Of course, they're they're reuniting the lot the old line from the national program with Cutter Gauthier, and Snuggerud, and Logan Cooley. That line's going to should be one of the best lines in the tournament. Uh, but behind them, Chaz Lucius is the second line center, and I expect him to score some goals. But he's also not fully healthy, and there are questions about whether he's going to be at 100%. And outside of that, big three and Lucius, they really don't have a ton of high end skill. It's it's a very deep group at forward uh, in terms of sort of role players. Guys like Red Savage, who is an excellent, excellent role player at this level, Tyler Boucher, etc. Uh, a lot of sort of good checkers, but not a not a, a super high end skill team. At least not relative to some of the teams that we've seen in recent memory, where they were bringing in the guys like Cole Caulfield and Matt Boldy, who could just do so much damage. Even even Taliev in his day at the junior level. So uh, they're missing a little bit of that punch. Uh, but I, I think they've made up for that. The Americans on their back end with with how mobile they they are. They they really surprised me not bringing Shy Bouyam. Uh, of Denver and the Detroit Red Wings. He's a, a sort of really big kid, and they elected to go with a blue line that's going to be made up outside of Luke Hughes of almost entirely sort of five foot nine, five foot ten offensive defensemen. And I think because they aren't a super talented team up front, uh, the USA Hockey Brass decided that they really wanted their their defensemen to be engaged and making plays. And uh, you're going to see Lane Hudson and Ryan Ufko and Seamus Casey and those guys, they're, they're going to, they're going to be extremely involved offensively. So that part of, of team USA, I think is what's most compelling to me is, is their blue line. It's, it's going to be a, a really, really fun, uh, sort of active blue line in this tournament. Scott, great setup. Uh, what do you got coming out at the athletic? And I know you'll have tons of stuff over the course of the tournament as well, but anything big is specifically you want to uh, mention? Uh, just the usual coverage. I've got four or five features on some of the kids who are playing in the tournament that I've been working on for some time here that I'm really excited to to get out there and finish and write. And then on top of that, we'll have our sort of daily takeaways plus my big notebook at the end. So uh, we've, we've got it down to a science at The Athletic, I think, in terms of our world junior coverage. And mm-hmm. uh, we're, re- we're really proud of the way that we cover the tournament. And I'm looking forward to to getting out there, both both myself and Corey Pronman will be out there for the full tournament. So uh, we're we're going to have everybody covered between the two of us. Outstanding. Looking forward to it all, uh, Scott. I really appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the event. Thanks as always, Guy. Scott Wheeler from the Athletic, who does a fantastic job, whether it's covering the draft or just prospects in general, the World Junior Championship. Uh, they he does an amazing job. There there are a handful of people who do who go above and beyond. Uh, Wheeler is one of them, and I don't know that anybody does the job better than he does. Fantastic. Really, really enjoy his uh, his long-form articles that he does, the interviews that he does with uh, with players or coaches or whoever it is. Just great, great stuff. He, he's, actually, he's the reason I have a subscription to The Athletic, so always a pleasure when he is able to come on the show. All right, next up, we're going to do Pool B. Chris Peters, another guy who does a fantastic job covering prospects. Uh, He does it now for Flow Hockey. We'll look at Pool B, and then uh, it'll be prediction time. I'll give you my thoughts on who's what the podium's going to end up like, and maybe top forward, top defense, and uh, top goaltender. How about that? 
Let's do that when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play, and he finds Turcotte. With Gildon, shorthanded and over the line. Turcotte, out in front, score! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. It is uh, our World Junior Preview Show, and uh, we're going to uh, crank out the entire bee pool uh, with uh, my first guest uh, of the week, and that is Chris Peters. From Flow Hockey, Chris. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, man. How are you? Gee, it's great to be with you. I'm doing well, and uh, it's always a pleasure. It's a great time of year, and, and glad to be hanging with you. Well, I appreciate your insight. I know you're going to be at the tournament eventually, and uh, you always do such a great job covering events like this. So um, your insight is valuable to me and uh, to my audience. So thanks for making the time. Uh, you're going to be our guy to uh, break down Pool B, and uh, we'll go through the five teams. Uh, maybe we'll do it alphabetically. We'll start with Finland, uh, and I think what we've come to expect of this tournament is sort of a five-team tournament. There are five teams who legitimately, any of them could come away with a a spot on the podium, which means two of them go home empty-handed. This year, like in the summer, a little different because Russia's not here, so it's kind of a four-team tournament. Or am I discounting a couple of clubs, maybe our teams, uh, Czechia and Slovakia, maybe uh, are trying to work their way into that mix. But B-Pool has the U.S., Finland, Slovakia, Switzerland, and Latvia. Uh, we're going to start with the Finns, though. Uh, tell me why this is a team that could legitimately win gold. You know, looking at it on, on paper, I think they've got a really tough tough road to, mm. to get there. Um, you know, I think that what what they have is they have a pretty mobile blue line. They have some really intriguing pieces on their back end, guys that will move pucks well, that skate well. But they're not very big, um, and I think up front they they might not be as fast. They still have guys like Joachim Kamel and Brad Lambert. They'll they can they can get it going. But I think you know in terms of you know physical edge, you think about some of the the Finnish teams that are so hard to play against. I think this one it's it's harder for them to play that style. Now that said, there's still a lot of really good players on this team. They are you know if they play Finnish the Finnish brand of hockey, they have a chance, and that's you know good team defense, commitment to structure, commitment to, you know, not making mistakes and then pouncing on the opposition's mistakes. They have guys that can do that. So that, you know, in that regard, they can still play that Finnish style hockey that always seems to find them in the medal round and, mm-hmm. and in the mix for just about every tournament they play in. And 
So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see because they've got some guys that need to really step up and, and, and that are younger, like Aaron Kiviharyu, who's going to be an underager in this tournament. He's probably one of their best overall defensemen based on talent. And so that's, that's, a, that's a big factor is that, you know, is he going to be a good enough, you know, is he going to be good enough at this stage of his young career to be a, a go-to defenseman like he was at the World Under 18s last year? Because this is a big jump from that. So there's that. But, yeah, you know, I think I'm really fascinated to see how that forward group gels together. You know, do Brad Lambert and Joachim Kamel kind of take over games? They have that capability, but we really haven't seen them do it at the World Junior level yet. So that's going to be a big question heading in. And then goaltending is always pretty good. Um, you know, this year they've got a, a decent group. It's not a, it's not an earth shattering group. It's not one that necessarily strikes fear into your heart, but mm-hmm. it's still uh Finnish goalies and they're always pretty good. Uh, do they have a returning goaltender from, uh, from the summer tournament? Um, I mean, they're not, not one that played. Right. So yeah. Marilina yeah, was the yeah. guy in the summer, wasn't he? Yep. Correct. Yep. Marilina. Yep. So a bit of a question mark there for the Finns, but that's not to say that these guys can't get it done. They just haven't done it yet. Do you do you get a sense of who's the starter? Um, not yet. Uh, I think Lampinen is going to start to this. Uh, there's a pre-tournament game that we're on the day that we're recording this, and so he's going to get a start. I think Nicholas Coco, um, who's a Kraken draft pick, is a very intriguing uh, player. But then their their other goaltender is Aku Koskinvo. Um, and actually, I think Koskidvo is starting, but he was their starter at the World Under-18s two years ago. He's currently at Harvard, and he hasn't played a ton this year. Um, so, you know, that's the other thing is that you know, they've got Koskidvo, who who plays college hockey, but is in a trio of goalies at Harvard. So he's I think he's only made two or three starts so far this season. Wow. Yeah, yeah. At this point, Harvard hasn't played a lot, let alone uh, a Correct. three goaltender platoon uh, system like that for sure. Uh, you mentioned Kibiharyu on the back end. Small guy, though, right? 5'10", 160-ish, 165-ish pounds. Not draft eligible this year, but next year, correct? That is correct, yeah. And he is a, he is a lot of fun to watch. Yep. Um, you know, you start getting kind of those those Quinn Hughes vibes from him a little bit where he's he's got that deceptive skating ability and can make plays up the ice. And he's always been advanced. But, yeah, that size factor is the big thing that it's like, hey, can he – He's on a he's on a path right now. Can he stay on that path? And can he, you know, can he be effective enough? And and as we've seen, smaller defensemen throughout the last couple of years, they're finding ways to make an impact at the NHL level. So you know, and and he's he's an exceptional, an exceptional young player that uh, really was their the, the a big piece of their U18 blue line last year when they took Browns. There's 15, I believe, drafted players on the Finnish uh, roster. Is there a guy that's draft eligible this year, uh, at least first-time draft eligible, that uh, is of note for you? Because I, I don't particularly see one. Well, he's not particularly uh, notable. Um, I mean, like he, he's he's going to. I think he'll probably get drafted. Um, and that is uh, Hami Naho uh, from the from that's his last name is Hami Naho. Um, he is a first-year eligible. Was on that. Uh, under 18 team last year. He's a late 2004 birthday. Lenny Haminyaho. Okay. Uh, he's playing in Liga this year. He's got decent size. You know, he's probably going to be down their lineup a little bit. Um, but he's looking probably like, you know, a second, third round pick at this point in the draft. All right. That was our look at uh, Finland. Let's go over to Latvia, alphabetically speaking. Latvia, the next club up. 
All right, with the Latvians, I don't think we're expecting a, a whole lot from them, but uh, maybe there's a player or two in here that's uh, of note. Uh, I know they've got three or four drafted players on the roster, but um, who, who's your immediate go-to guy to look at here for the Latvians? Yeah, you know, they got a couple of guys that I think can hang with the top players. You know, they're, they're guys that when they're out there, they don't look out of place with, with top against top competition. Um, and that's been the case over the last couple of years. This, you know, a bunch of the players from the 04 birth year in, in Latvia actually beat Sweden, who ended up winning the world under 18 championship. They beat Sweden in the preliminary round. And that included guys like Sandus Val- Valmanis and Dan Lokmelis, who both were drafted. Uh, Valmanis by Florida and Lokmelis by um, uh, Boston. And, you know, those are two guys that can, they, they, they can play at that level. Um, and then you've got other guys that were part of that team last year uh, that, that, you know, could potentially play a role. I, they don't have their goaltender, Bruno Bruveras, who's currently in the USHL, but has aged out of the tournament. Um, and so, you know, they've got to kind of rebuild a little bit from that team that made it to the quarterfinals last year. Uh, the thing about the Latvians is that, you know, they're, they're always going to work. They're going to play hard. They're going to block a lot of shots and they're going to, you know, potentially if they get the goaltending, mm-hmm. they have a chance. But, you know, that's a team where I think, you know, the other thing is relegation is back this year. So, you know, every that, that the, the whole tournament matters again. And so you've really got to make sure you're taking care of business. But the thing is, with Russia out, one of those teams that would normally never have a chance at the at the quarterfinals does. And I think, you know, you look at this side of the bracket and Latvia has to feel like they have a chance with Switzerland and Slovakia. Um, even though I think Slovakia should be a pretty good team this year, you know, they have to at least think that they have a chance to get into, to sneak into one of those four spots on from their side of the bracket. Anybody uh, name worthy that, uh, that fans should be looking for uh, as well potential leader on this team. The only name I recognize is Bogdan's hot ass because he, well, he plays, <laughs> plays in the WHL and it's a great name. And uh, Bogdan's has got hot hands this year. He's off to a pretty good start. Yeah, you know, he, he, and he had some big moments at the last World Junior. So certainly he's one of the guys that, that to look at. But I mean, I think really, you know, the two guys that I think you might have a, see that, that have a chance to play in the NHL down the route, down, down the road are Lok Mellis and Vilmanis. I, I really like both players a lot. I thought they, they really stood out at that under 18 World Championship where they, they were pretty much all their team had, um, to, to, to hang with, with other, other teams and, you know, it's just always interesting to see how those guys stand out um, among, you know, among the their peers. Um, but I think those are probably the guys that, you know, give you the most uh, the most bang for your buck if you're going to be watching Latvia. All right, I noticed there's no 2005 or 2006 born players on this team, so they're they're bringing uh, an absolute uh, veteran as veteran a club as they can. Uh, to try to give them a, a puncher's chance. All right, let's go to Slovakia. You mentioned uh, that you think they're going to be a pretty solid club this year, and and they are one of those teams that, you know, every once in a while they, they crack the podium. Uh, is this a year where they might be able to do that again? They have an outside chance, I think. You know, and part of it is because of, of playing in the side. You know, they have a chance to be the second team in, in Group B, I think. You know, yeah. they could they could potentially be the team like the U.S. or or Finland, if you catch them on the right day, um, you know they they have they're going to have some really good players in their roster. You know they're not going to have your Slavkovsky, which would have been a really good player to have. You know that that could be that can be the difference making player. But Simon Nemec can be that for them. You know he can be the guy that takes over a game here and there that that is able to do things at both ends of the ice. You know once he's he's, he's been in the AHL and now he's got a chance to play within his own age group and that always you know sometimes that opens a guy up and it just allows him to play a little more free. 
and, and you know, to, to, to do things. He's the only drafted defenseman um, on their on their current roster. Um, and so, you know, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on him. He'll probably play a lot of minutes. But then up front, you've got some really good players. You've got Philip Mayshar, first rounder of the, of the Canadian. You've got Adam Sikora, who's a draft tech of the Rangers. You know, you've got other players that are going to be able to fill in. And then Delibor Dvorsky, who's the, the draft eligible player on the team that, you know, potentially could be a top 10, top 15 pick in this year's draft. So there are, there are definitely uh, good options on their roster. They also have Maxime Sturback, who is playing in Sioux Falls in the USHL, another draft eligible guy who was on the team last year. And, you know, having Mayshar, having Nemec, so that's going to help them a lot because last year it was basically Adam Sikora and friends. And that was, you know, there wasn't a lot on that roster to give them a chance to kind of advance. So they, they had a pretty, you know, early tournament essentially. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, that they're a team that can be dangerous. The the big question for me is, will they get enough goaltending to be yeah. – you know, to be good enough. And, and honestly, I, I couldn't tell you if, if they will, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I've heard they've actually had some, some shifting in their goaltending trio. Um, and they're, they may be bringing somebody else in. Uh, so, you know, that that's not usually a great sign at this stage of the, uh, the process, but, you know, I think that that's, that's always kind of been one of the things is if, unless you have Dennis Godluck coming through the door, um, you might not have a chance in, in the tournament. So, um, that's the big question for me, but they they have enough players to compete, and they have enough players to make the playoff round, and they should expect to make the playoff round at this point, um, because you got you just have to be better than one of Latvia or Switzerland, and and that's you know for Slovakia, especially at this stage in their development as a hockey nation and and the way that things have been going for them, it should be a reasonable expectation. Chris, you're a big draft uh, guy as well, uh, like I am, and, and most of the people listening to the Pipeline Show. Samuel Honzek plays in uh, Vancouver with the Vancouver Giants out of the WHL. We saw him come through Edmonton with the uh, with the Giants. wasn't a great night for him, but he's had a really good season uh, for the Giants. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder if you've had a chance to watch him and what you make of him because he's he's a big body and he's putting up these points. Uh, he just didn't wow me in the one live appearance that I saw from him, but you, you may have have seen him more than I have. Yeah, you know he's he's really interesting. He was he just ended up just on the outside of my early first round um, when I did my first ranking of the season, and I actually was having a conversation with a couple of scouts. I was up in Canada not terribly long ago. I was actually in Ontario, but I was talking to a couple of guys that had just been in Western Canada, and they were saying, "Hey, you know this guy? He's 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 starting to show. He's starting to show that he, that he, that this is." You know he can he can do it and and he's got the size and he's got the offensive ability this season. You know I think there were a lot of questions about whether or not he was going to be able to see it enough offensively to to make make good on that big body of his and and now they're that's starting to be seen and you know I, I definitely should have mentioned him earlier because I think that having a guy like him who's playing as well as he is that's you know he's coming into the tournament kind of hot and that's a good thing you know that's a good thing for his team. Same thing with, you know, guys like Mayshar and there's a lot of guys that are mm-hmm. currently playing, you know, in North America on this roster. So they're, they're going to be adapted to that style of play. They're going to be able to, you know, they're going to be used to the junior buildings. They're going to be used to, it could be a pretty raucous atmosphere, even in Moncton where Canada is not playing because it sounds like a lot of the tickets are sold or it's completely sold out. So, you know, you're going to get a good environment too. So, but I think he's a guy that, that absolutely is starting to trend in the right direction. Very well could sneak into the first round. He's probably hovering somewhere between that, you know, 25 to 45 range in this draft as, a, as of this moment. 
And, you know, a good World Juniors can absolutely help him out and, and, and allow him to, to move up the ranks a little bit. Uh, kind of an aside from the uh, the World Junior Championship, but with Adam Sikora, Brad Lambert, you see those guys maybe uh, being sent from their pro teams to uh, Major Junior when this tournament is over. We've seen that happen in the past. Are you hearing anything for those two players specifically? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, just before I got on the phone with you, I saw a, a report coming out of New York that there there was a hope that, that Adam Sikora would be going to the WHL soon. Um, and I think they... There might be a, a trade afoot as well um, that would would take him because I think Victoriaville has his rights. If I'm no, I think it's uh, Medicine Hat. Victoriaville, sorry, Medicine Hat is what I meant. A tiger. I was thinking tigers. There you go. I don't know you why got I it. went to Quebec. That's yeah, the but, tie but, but anyway, yeah, I don't know why I was thinking Victoriaville. But anyway, so so he's got you know he's 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 at least that's that's a possibility. It sounds almost likely, and it's probably a good thing for him. I thought that he probably should have started the year in the WHL. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a, you know, the, the guys that are playing in Slovakia and Czech Republic, like Edward Schala right now, another draft guy who's on the other side of the bracket, you know, he's, he's struggling to have, you know, enough of an impact offensively and getting the minutes and everything. And so it's harder for those guys to, to stand out. And, and for a guy like Adam Sikora, who's already drafted, who's trying to get on the right track, he just needs more reps and more time. And especially if he plays in an up, up the lineup situation. As for Brad Lambert, we'll have to wait and see. He's kind of had a weird year where he's had, some, he missed some time with some illness that cost him a lot of games in the AHL. Right. I'm not sure that they would immediately send him to the dub right after the World Juniors, but it is a possibility. So, you know, that that's another thing where it's like, oh, wow, if this happens, a lot, a lot could get real interesting. Well, I think there's a roster freeze January 10th. I, I don't think teams can add players to their rosters after that. So, uh, as far as I know, sure enough, yeah. Well, he's, he's got three points in the 14 games that he's played so far in Manitoba, and the Seattle Thunderbirds hold his rights. They are a contender, not just for the WHL, but for a national championship at the Memorial Cup. It just it seems like it's it's not a bad option if you're the Winnipeg Jets looking for a place to put your high-profile uh, prospect. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you know, I think for, for Brad Lambert, he just needs to play as well. He needs to get a lot of up. Uh, up the lineup minutes and yeah. and get an opportunity to to produce and get some of that confidence back because you know he, he kind of trended in the wrong direction leading into his draft year still managed to get picked in the first round and now you got to do some work on the development side of things all right chris uh, chris uh, peters from flow hockey is my guest by the way uh let's go to switzerland we got two countries left to get to uh, switzerland and the united states uh the swiss they do have a couple of drafted players both of them on the back end and liam bixel and and brian zanetti uh, for Dallas and Philadelphia, respectively. But do they have enough to at least avoid relegation? They probably have enough to avoid relegation, but can they make any sort of uh, noise beyond that here? Yeah, I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, I think that the last couple of years have been pretty down years for Switzerland in general. I mean, you get Bixell, and he's he's got a chance to be you know, a, a difference maker in the, in the way that you know maybe he even can drag them to a quarterfinal spot again you're just trying you're trying to be better than one of slovakia or switzerland typically or you know you never know maybe does finland really struggle does usa really struggle we really don't know because i think there's a lot of things a lot of questions in the air um about this entire side of the bracket but i mean switzerland for the last couple of years it's been pretty tough it's they have not had a lot of success at the u18 level they haven't had a lot of success at the u20 level and, you know, they kind of sneak in every once in a while. But they usually have that one guy up front that's going to be able to carry the mail for them. And I just don't think they have that this year. 
Um, and I don't think they've developed that in the last couple of years. There's not a single drafted forward on their, in their group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that without that, I think it's going to be really difficult because I think even, even Latvia has a couple of guys where they can maybe take a shift or two over and, and change the dynamic of a game. Um, and I'm not, I'm less convinced that Switzerland, Switzerland has that. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's a great challenge for them. You know, if they get the goaltending, anything can happen. But I mean, that is a team that I think is definitely in danger. Um, but, but certainly has, you know, probably just enough to go in the right direction and, and maybe stave off, uh, relegation this time around. All right, let's go to the Americans. Uh, and that would be the, the team I think most people would, uh, peg as the, uh, the favorite to come out of Pool B, uh, sitting in first place out of the pool. Let's start in net, and uh, I guess Trey Augustine and Caden uh, Embarico are the the um, the guys who are gonna are they gonna split time or is there going to be a a bona fide number one? I mean, Embarico's got the 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 age advantage and the experience advantage. Yeah, it's tough to say. I think they're still trying to figure that out. Honestly, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of faith in both of those two guys. Uh, Embarico's had a really good season at Colorado College this year, but he's a five foot eleven goaltender who's you know kind of you, he had a really good tournament until the quarterfinal. You know until it mattered, yeah. he he had a great tournament, and so you know to have a bad a bad quarterfinal and then all of a sudden you're out of it. You know that that's that's the difference that a goaltender can make for you, and so you know he's got to get that out of his head, and then we'll see if he's there. But the other guy is Trey Augustine, who's an underager. He's draft eligible this year, committed to Michigan State, playing at the under eighteen program, and he's having a great season. He's over nine thirty save percentage, which is really hard to do at the NTDP. He's he's got that steadiness to him. There's a little bit more predictability in his game. There's a little more technique. Um, and he is a little bit bigger, not by much, but he's a little bit bigger. So, you know that also helps. I think they're going to both get looks at the pre-tournament games and then we'll have to wait and see who gets you know I, I don't even think that we would know who the number one goalie is heading into that game against Latvia no matter who starts that game because I think they really could go a couple of different ways it'll, it'll be interesting to see they have Jared Wayman who's uh, a scout with the Tampa Bay Lightning he is running the goaltending for Team USA and so he I, I'm sure they're going to lean heavily on him in, in that decision process and in terms of what he thinks will, will be best for their their team and he worked for a long time with Rand Pecknold at Quinnipiac as a, as a goalie coach there. And he was also uh, Spencer Knight's personal goalie coach for a long time. So um, he's got a lot of experience, and I think they're going to put a lot of faith in him to help you know, usher that decision through. When I look at the defensive core, the two things stand out to me, how much skill there is and the lack of size. There's only one guy who's bigger than six foot, and that's Luke Hughes. Is that a concern in this tournament, or does that skill kind of trump all the rest of that? <laughs> I guess we're going to find out because I, I, you know, this is probably the smallest blue line the U.S. has taken to this tournament in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, it is, it is, you know, they, they, they cut shy Booyam. I was shocked three. by that. Yeah. So, but you know what that told me, Guy? It told me that, the, that they are putting pace above everything. Mm. It doesn't matter how big you are. You got to be able to skate. And this entire decor is mobile. They move pucks extremely well. They are, they are designed to play fast. And the thing was, the player pool was not going to allow you to match size for size with Canada. Canada is a huge team, and U.S. was not going to be able to match that. So they're going in an opposite direction with speed, with puck movement, with this skill level that they have. Every single one of their blue liners can move the puck, every single one of them. You could put any one of those guys in the power play. You could put any one of them, you know, the, the question is, I have no idea who's going to kill penalties for this team. 
you know, I think Ryan Chesley and then who knows after that. Um, but, you know, that's going to be interesting to see because a lot of these guys are not natural penalty killers. And a lot of guys are, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Sean Barron's in that, in that role, probably Jack Peart as well, maybe even Luke Hughes. Um, so they're going to play in all situations, I think. But uh, I'm fascinated to see if it works because, you know, quite frankly, I, there's not a lot of just tremendous defensive players on this team. Um, not a lot of guys that make it real difficult to get through the middle of the ice, and that's where the game is won. And, and so that's where we're going to have to find out if if this strategy pays off. I think they picked the team based on what the the player pool dictated, which is that they didn't have a lot of big defensemen, that they didn't have a lot of guys that were shutdown-style defensemen. Um, and even in camp, really beyond Shai Booyam, who, who I would not classify as a shutdown defenseman, um, you know, that they, they just didn't have a lot of size to pick from. So it's a fascinating exercise and does size really matter? Um, and I think we're going to find out, but, you know, I'm talking to some people, there's a lot of skepticism about having a blue line that small, Yeah. but again, it's all about skill and speed for this team. All right. And up front, there's a lot of skill as well. And a lot of history. A lot of these players have played not just on the same team as, uh, as one another, but on the same lines. I was just reading your, your preview for Team USA at Flow Hockey, and uh, there's a lot of guys who were teammates at the at the program and line mates at the program that are, are going to be in that situation again here, and that can't be anything but a positive. I think it's yeah, I think it's a big positive. I think you know having that built-in chemistry, not trying to reinvent the wheel. There have been so many times where coaches have taken teams to the World Juniors and they break up the top lot, the guys that have been yeah. proven it. I, I think they even did it with Austin Matthews. Like Austin Matthews had did not have his regular lines that like broke every record at the NTDP. And, and this year it seems like Rand Pecknold is saying, well, let, if it ain't broke, let's not fix it. Right. So Cutter Goche, Logan Cooley, Jimmy Snuggerud all together on the top line. They're going to play a lot. The second line is a, is a group that, that wouldn't have played together. It's Rucker McGroarty, Chaz Lucius, who are both Jets picks. And then you've got Jackson Blake on the right wing for that line. None of those guys have, you know, have that history that the other ones do, but then the, you have the third line, Red Savage with, with Dylan Duke and then Tyler Boucher, you know, those three guys were all team on the same NTDP team together. I, I don't think they played on the same line because Tyler Boucher was hurt for a lot of that U18 year. Mm-hmm. But a really, really, you know, that's a heavy group. Um, even though they're not big, they're, they play the game really fast and physical, and um, it should be really fascinating to see. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, the U.S. is certainly looking to find those little pieces of, of – uh, of chemistry. And then on top of that, I think their forward group is very well balanced as opposed to, you know, their, their, their top, uh, uh, their defense, because they're, they have big forwards, you know, they have Goche who's got good size to him. Snuggerud plays a heavier style. Rucker McGordy's not big, but he's plays big. Um, you know, and you've got Charlie Stramel potentially, you know, the interesting thing is that the U S is taking 25 players, but you can only roster 23. So we still don't know who the actual, 23 will be i think that there's probably maybe three players at the forward position and three players at the defense position that are still battling it out for that last spot to be part of the official roster but you know it's it's a, it's a fascinating premise to have you know basically these kind of extras in the mix still at this late stage but you know that's the way that usa wanted to do it and i think that it's probably good to have that roster flexibility in case of injury if we get through the, uh, the the round robin portion and USA isn't in the number one spot coming out of uh, the the B pool, to me that's that would be a shocker and and I would be very surprised. But we've seen you know it doesn't necessarily matter all that much exactly where you fit or finish. 
uh, because once the the medal round starts, that's when things really start to matter. But where do you see this team finishing in overall in the tournament? If if they miss the podium, are you going to be shocked by that? You know, I think not really. Like, I mean, it's so weird because it's. I, I feel like it's really wide open. I think Canada's a heavy favorite, presumed best team, and and that is the case. We say that every year this time, and I don't think this year is any different. But we know that you start playing the games and things happen and and it changes. But you know, so I I mean, I think that the U.S. as as a group, you know, it's just will their will their strategy of speed and skill mm-hmm. outmatch Canada's clear mandate to get big to to have a blue line that has only one defenseman that's shorter than six foot two to have forwards that are you know burly and physical I mean you know so that's that's going to be the real the real question here is does the U.S. have enough you know size to to compete here um and then really does anyone have a goalie does any team have a goalie in this tournament and 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 if you looking up and down all these rosters my answer is no (laughs) you know like there's not one guy that I can say that's the guy that will steal you a game or that so but those guys emerge over the course of the tournament so um I I you know I think anything less than a podium is is disappointing for this U.S. team It's, it's at that point now where the U.S. should expect to be on the medal stand every single year um, but, you know, I think it's it's hard for me to say that they're a, a, a strong contender for the gold against Canada. But I, I, I have a hard time saying that about really any other team as well. So um, I'm really fascinated by this. I think Czechia is going to be a team to watch to potentially disrupt the whole party for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then uh, beyond that, you know, it's it's going to be it's kind of a crapshoot. So I but I, I think, you know, on paper, clearly this U.S. team is the is the best team in Group B. Uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, we, we've seen, we've seen lesser, we've seen better teams do worse and we've seen lesser teams do better. So you never know. Chris, we went a long time. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the tournament. I, I'm jealous that uh, I don't get to go to the East coast and, uh, and take it in, in person, uh, but uh, enjoy the, uh, the event and enjoy Halifax. Uh, this was a, a treat for me. So appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Gee, always great to be with you. Happy holidays, buddy. There's Chris Peters from Flow Hockey doing a great job looking at Pool B, letting us know who to watch for at the World Junior Championship this year, and uh, little predictions from him at the end there as well. All right, time for my predictions. I told you I would give you who I think will be the top forwards. They always pick like three forwards, two defense, and a goaltender, Uh, and it's kind of hard to narrow it down to just three forwards in this tournament, but... Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, well, see, I, th- I think Canada's top three players, each team gets three players nominated as well. I've got Connor Bedard, Logan Stankoven, and Olin Zellweger as the three players I think I'm going to predict will be the top three for Canada. But I don't know that uh, both Stankoven and Bedard will make the final all-star team. Be close, but I, I will say it'll be Connor Bedard, Logan Cooley from the United States, and uh, Fabian Lasalle from uh, Team Sweden. On the blue line, I'm going to take Zellweger. Uh, and I think uh, Luke Hughes from the United States will be their number one defenseman. Maybe I'm, I'm curious to watch Lane Hudson at this tournament. And to me, the goaltending one right now is completely wide open. I think because Canada will do so well, there's a very good chance that whoever becomes their starter, and that's the question right now, is is it uh, Benjamin Goudreau or Thomas Millich as the who will end up being the starter for Canada? Personally, between the two, I like Millich more, but that doesn't mean he's going to be their guy. And with the United States, I think I like Trey Augustine more than uh, Emberico, but at this point in their careers, Emberico might be the starter for the United States. 
I just don't know if he's going to be the, the best goaltender in the tournament. Sweden, who I think will do all right. Again, not sure exactly who the starter is going to be. The only one that I'm fairly certain will be a, a high-end goaltender and the starter is Thomas Suhanek uh, from Czechia. Plays for the Tri-City Americans in the uh, Western Hockey League. And I do think that uh, Czechia has a chance to be an upset team. And if they are, it's going to be because Suhanek stands on his head. So I'm going to go out on the limb and I'm going to say Thomas Suhanek is uh, named as the top goaltender in the tournament. So Cooley, Bedard, LaSalle up front, Zellweger, Hughes on the blue line, and Suhanek in net. As for podium, uh, I think Canada, it's uh, Canada and then there's a gap. And we can't usually say that uh, at this tournament, uh, but I would suggest Canada is pretty clearly the best team, at least on paper. Uh, and then I like uh, probably the United States, Sweden, and Czechia. Not sure what to make of the Finns this year. Like Maybe Aku Koskinvo has an outstanding tournament, but he's barely played, as Chris pointed out earlier in this segment. So it would almost seem unfair to you put high expectations on him when he's been in that situation. Does Brad Lambert have a breakout tournament? Or Joachim Kemmel? Maybe it's Nico Hootenen that ends up being the, the guy for Finland. But I don't know. I think they are probably the second team to come out of uh, Pool B. And in the crossover, they might get Czechia in the first round of the medals. And then that could be a really good game. But I'm, that might be where I take Czechia. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Canada to win gold. think they'll play against the United States. And I'm going to say it's uh, Sweden and Czechia for bronze. And sure, why don't I go with uh, Czechia? All right, and there you have it. That is the World Junior Preview this year on the Pipeline Show. Again, thank you to everybody who's uh, signed up to become a patron at patreon.com slash show. Really appreciate that support. Now, will there be a show next week? I cannot promise that. At this point, this might be the final show of 2022. Uh, the reason for that is with the, I mean, the junior leagues are basically stopped right now. They'll get started again, what, probably uh, Tuesday-ish next week. But everyone's focus is going to be on the World Junior Championship, and it things change so quickly. For a, a weekly show, it might not uh, fit really well. You know, if I do an interview on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday by Friday or Saturday, uh, it's old news. So we might push next week's show and uh, get back uh, into business the first week of January. So that would be like, so that would be January seventh for the first show of uh, 2023. We'll play it by ear, but I'm just giving you a heads up. That's probably what's going to happen. And with that, I bid you a very Merry Christmas. If you are one who celebrates Christmas, if you celebrate in some other way, then happy holidays to you. And I hope your family gatherings are fantastic. If you're one who struggles at this time of year to celebrate, and, you know, I, I think, well, my father died on December 21st. So that's something that's always in the back of my head. I have a friend whose wife just passed away. So it's his first Christmas without his wife. And, so it can be a, a celebration for a lot of people, for most people, and for others, it's a, a time to struggle. So if you're in that category, then uh, my feelings are with you, and know that you're not alone, but I hope that you have some family and some support around you as well. All right, let's wrap it up and enjoy the World Junior Championship. If you have a chance to watch some of it, that would be fantastic. And then Junior and College Hockey gets going again, and we can talk about it all next time. Here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya!